Ladies and gentlemen, please. Um, okay, you actually made me yell. Um, <laughs> my name is Deanna Quietwater Noriega. I'm first vice president of Guide Dog Users, and I'm welcoming you to our luncheon. We have a fast-paced program this afternoon, so the first thing is please turn off cell phones so that we don't have unnecessary noise. Um, and I think, what, what else do I need to do? <laughs> okay, We're, um, Chris Mattoon is here with the, with the mic, so he'll go around and please state your name, um, your dog's name, and your school. And keep it brief because we've got a lot of people here. Thank you, Chris. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. Hi. All right. Hi, ma'am. Hi. Hi, I'm Catherine Joseph from Fort Collins, Colorado, and I am waiting for my match for my best friend from Southeastern Guide Dogs. Hi. My name is Susan Mangus, and I have my guide dog, Jenna, from Guide Dogs for the Blind. Hi, everybody. I'm Nellie Emerson from Santa Maria, California, and I have Atticus, a male German shepherd from Seeing Eye. My name is Donna Brown from Sacramento, California. My retired guide's name is Eureka and from GDB, which I've been a part of since 1971. Hi. My turn? Oh. Hi, my name is Angela Griffith. I am with my guide dog, Summer, a female uh, yellow lab, and I'm from GDB. I'm Annie Doyle from Encino, California. I'm with Kenneth from Guiding Eyes. I miss you. Get the mic right in front of you here. Oh, Alice Crespo, and I just got a new dog two months ago from Freedom Guide Dogs, um, Willa May. Hi. Hi. I'm Ellen Telker from Milford, Connecticut, and I'm so excited to hear there's another Freedom Guide Dog here. My guide dog is Kelly, and she's from Freedom. All right. Hey, Carl. Chris. Mike's right in front of you. Okay. Hey, uh, I'm Carl Richardson. Uh, my my guide dog is Merrick, who's six years old, and I also have a 13-year-old retired one at home, Kinley, and they're both from Guide and Eye for the Blind. I'm Joe Yee from Medford, Massachusetts. My dog is from Guiding Eyes, but she's at home um, retired. Oh, no, this is going to be... Um, this isn't going to be easy for me, folks. This, I'm Bill Meineke from Virginia Beach, and I came with my six-dog gentry from Seeing Eye, but I had to put them to sleep on Monday. So this is very difficult, and there's a dog between my feet. I, I don't know we whose don't know it is. <laughs> so I, now i got to, you know, i got to see what I'm going to do, or but this isn't... Dog, maybe that dog knows that you need him to be there. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> But yeah, I, know, I never dreamed that that would happen to me. But and the vet that they recommended here, 
I would highly recommend. He was the vet was very good. It was a very good nurturing experience, and they were very comforting and helpful. And it was a, so I recommend that vet. Whoever recommended that vet should be commended highly. My name is Linda Wiggins, and I have a yellow lab um, retriever, Noreen, and she's from the CNI, but she's not here at the moment. Hi, my name is Lynn Coates. I'm from Carson, California. I'm here with my black Labrador, Kendall, or the K-Dog, or Ken Dizzle, uh, from Guide Dogs of America. I'm Vern Abfalder from uh, Grand Ledge, Michigan, with my guide dog, my guide dog Finn, Golden Retriever from Leader Dog. Here's your shower, sir. There you go, Mark. Yes. He hey, Mark. Sam. Oh. Uh, Mark Adrian from Seattle, Washington, with my guide Trek from Guide Dogs for the Blind. That's a great name. All right. Thank you. Sam Hogel from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm here with my second seeing eye dog, Flash. He's a yellow lab, and he's two. And then at home, I have my retired seeing eye dog, Mace, and a 10-year-old Golden. Yay, Sam is our first-timer. Right. John, right Okay. Uh, I'm John Vandervoort with my guide dog, Chase, C-H-A-C-E, no S, not a bankster. I'm glad most of you got that. So many people, it flies over their head. And he's from GDA, Guide Dogs of America. Thanks, John. Andy. Andy Arvidsson, Anna Cortis, Washington. I got Tamika Black Lab from Guide Dogs for the Blind. My name is Kathy Lyons. I'm from Buffalo, New York. And I have a two-year-old yellow Labrador retriever from Guiding Eyes for the Blind. Hey, Vicki, it's Chris. Vicki Winslow from New York City, seeing eye German Shepherd male Kilo. Hi, Carla Campbell, Menlo Park, California. I'm here with my seeing eye dog, Hope, German Shepherd. How you doing, Mark? That's right for you. Mark Lear from Daytona Beach, Florida. It looks like I'm the guide dog these days right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Katie Lear. I'm Mark's wife, and right now at the moment he is my dog. I'm waiting placement for my sixth guide from Southeastern Guide Dogs. I'm Mary Tyson from Daytona Beach. I'm here with my third guide, Charlie, a black lab, and he is three years old and from Southeastern. Sorry, yeah. Pop. I just called Sorry. Judy Dog's back foot. Sorry about that. Here you go. Mike's right in front of you. Oh, um, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Dawn Crockett, and uh, we're from uh, London, Ontario, Canada. My dog is Willow. She's a yellow lab, four years old, and she's from Manatick outside of Ottawa, the Canadian guide dogs for the blind. And thank you for having me here. Good afternoon. My name is Gladys Borowski. I'm from London, Ontario, Canada. I'm a seeing eye graduate. I have a black Labrador by the name of Amara, and she's my third dog from the seeing eye. 
I'm Janet Wilson from um, Guide Dogs for the Blind in San Rafael, and I'm with Nikita the Wonder Dog, who is was a career change, and her puppies are all um, ours. So. Okay. Hi, I'm Brianna Murray. I'm from South Carolina, and I have hops from Guide Dog Foundation. Hello, my name is Amelia. Um, I'm here with my seeing eye dog, Piper, from the seeing eye. It's my first dog. Hey, Myra. Uh, hi. Chris, there's mics right in front of you. Okay, uh, Myra Brodsky from the greater New York area. And um, there's a dog under my feet that's about to run out of the room. It's not mine. Um, okay. And um, I'm with Nana from Sing Eye. Awesome. Thanks, Myra. Hi. Hi, I'm Cynthia Hawkins DeBose. I'm a first timer at ACB. Uh, I also have my first guide dog venture from the Guide Dog Foundation in New York but I'm from Tampa, Florida. And I'm Bobby Lynn Lee, Cynthia's sister, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm a urologist. Hi, I'm Karen Wood from Columbia, Maryland. First time ACB GDUI, happy to be here. Uh, and I'm with my absolutely beautiful, amazing golden retriever, Dolly from Seeing Eye. We've been together four years. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike Moran, and I am uh, here from Lakewood, New Jersey. There is a Lakewood, New Jersey, and I'm here with my seeing-eye German Shepherd, a male. His name is Aldo. Hello, Bernie. Hi, my name is Bernie Vinther. I'm from southeast corner of Washington State, Kennewick. I'm here with my... uh, Yellow Lab uh, Griff. He's nine years old, and he's going blind. And and my uh, at least supposedly, and my previous dog was killed by a hit and run driver. My kiss. Sorry, you just. Hi, my name is Alice Turner from Sunnyvale, California, and I'm here with my six-year-old yellow lab, Cora, from Guide Dogs for the Blind. Hello, my name is Penny Valdivinos, and I'm here with my guide dog from the CNI Earl, and he's eight-and-a-half-year-old, and I'm from Bakersfield, California. I'm Diane Deutsch from Rohnert Park, California. I'm here with Hector Anton, my third guide dog from Guide Dogs for the Blind. Hi, everybody. I'm Vicki Curley, and I am here with my male German Shepherd, Valor, from the Seeing Eye. He's also known as Prince Fluffybutt. (laughs) Sure. Hi, Rick Curley, uh, Vicki's husband. No dog, sorry. Hi. I'm Luann Williams from San Antonio, Texas, and I'm here with my yellow six-year-old lab, Atlas, 
and we're from Guide Dogs of Texas. Should should I be stopping by everybody in the room or just guide dog users? Everybody? Okay. I'm Connie Smith. I'm one of the Louisville ladies. And I'm Jane Woods, another Louisville lady. Hey, hi, Jane. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, hey, my name is Noah. I'm an apprentice guide dog instructor and mobility specialist with Guide Dogs of the Desert, and I've got a standard poodle daisy in training. Ladies. I'm Maureen Hollis. I'm from Guiding Eyes for the Blind, and I manage the puppy program in Connecticut. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith. I'm one of the field representatives, instructors with Guiding Eyes for the Blind. I'm based in Denver, Colorado. And I'm just heading up to get someone that just joined us. Hey, Miss, can I just trouble you to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, she's in the front. Catherine. Oh, oh yeah. Hi. Is it my, my turn? Can I, can I introduce, can you introduce yourself? Yeah. Okay. Hi, my name is Nancy Unger. I'm, I have a three-year-old uh, black lab named Jay from GDD. Yay, and I found my $5,000 unit. I thought, the information desk, I thought I'd lost. Oh, my God. Okay, I think you're here. And should I let you ladies all Yeah, I think we need to do our thing, too. Okay, I'm Deanna Quartweiler Noriega. I have a four-year-old German shepherd named Enzo from the Singai. Hi, I'm Penny Reader. I'm here with Willow, who's an eight-year-old German shepherd from the Seeing Eye. Hi, I'm Beth Williams from here in Reno, and I'm honored to be your speaker today. I'm Lillian Scaife, program chair for GDI with my black lab, Alexa from GDB. Hi, Chris. Hi, I'm Maria Hansen from New York City. I'm GDUI's second vice president. I'm here with my 11-year-old Fidelco Sable Shepherd named Frisco, and I've been working with guide dogs since 1965. All right, did I miss anybody? Awesome. And again, once again, I'm Chris Mattoon. I'm an instructor with the Seeing Eye. I've been with the Seeing Eye for 23 years. Okay, so enjoy your lunch, and we'll get on with our program shortly. Get no two-legged children. Only four-legged children. 
I tell people I have yeah. a cat, okay. two dogs, a horse, and a husband, and that's simply alphabetical. That's not anything to do with who's important. That's fabulous. <laughs> and seven chickens, too. Oh, chickens, too. You have eggs for breakfast? Yes. Great. I have lots of eggs. <clears throat> Chickens were not something I would be likely to have. No? My dad was um, an industrial farmer. Oh, He yeah. raised chickens for Frank Perdue. I don't oh, know if yeah. you get that brand out. Uh-huh. Do you want to keep... Uh, what time do you want me to do something? Um, 20 minutes. What time is it now? It's 12.40, probably. 12.39. How about... Um, the awards for the students so that that has time to speak. Yeah. Maybe 15 minutes? 12.39 by my, by my address. So what do you suggest? Uh, well, do you want to do it in 12.39? We're kind of running out of time already. Yeah. So. Want to in 10 minutes. Do you want me to? Will Beth be ready to speak in 10 minutes? <laughs> I'm good. Are you, will you be ready to speak in 10 minutes? Uh, it'll actually be 15 because I have to do awards first. That's right. Okay. Yeah, 15. I'm very flexible. So. Okay. So, do you want to start with the awards then? Yeah, I'll start with the awards. Okay. In about 10 minutes. Why don't you tell me? Okay. In 10 minutes? Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be presenting some awards in about 10 minutes, so that gives you kind of a time frame for eating. I've got to go find some food. Oh, we didn't bring you anything? Oh, I've got to make sure you get it. Well, I've got my hair locked in the hair, but nobody took it. Maybe they got there. Well, they give you the basic.
new. It's working. It's working. Hey, everybody, let's do awards. Are you ready? In GDY, we know we have so many people to thank. We have the schools, we have our community, we have one another. And as an organization, every year we give three annual awards. And this year, um, we have the Moffat Lights Award. Um, and this award is for a couple who founded an organization in Connecticut. It's called Harness Up Bonds and Buddies. Um, 
And unfortunately, I haven't met these people, so I hope I don't murder their names. And it's very likely when you hear their names that I will. Um, I hope they're listening. And we're going to mail their awards to them later this summer because the awards are in print and Braille, and the Braillists haven't quite finished creating the awards. But we are so pleased to honor Andrea Judici. Judici, thank you. And... Stephen Famiglietti. Famiglietti. <laughs> and they do absolutely fantastic work. I know Dixie Sanderson, who is a board member, attends her organizational meetings once, bless you, once every month. And she has nothing but wonderful things to say about all the, the help and support they give to guide dog users in Connecticut. So we really appreciate them. Let's give them all a hand. Hopefully they're listening. And another award that we always give, well, not always, but whenever we have a possibility to give it, is for writing. Uh, as you know, um, Paul Tracks depends on our members for most of, their, most of the magazine's contributions. And we have expanded the name of that award to the Writing and Media Award because now, as you know, we have a great ACB radio show called the GDY Juno Report. Um, and the person who's going to receive this award this year is Nolan Crabb. I cannot say enough good things about Nolan. Paul Trex was really, really struggling when uh, this administration came on board, and Nolan has brought it back in such a great way. He brought back narration, which a lot of people missed, and uh, he's just doing a fabulous job, and he's taken on the role of producing the Juno Report as well. And that's a fabulous radio program. I hope you guys have found it. It's a podcast. You can find it on any podcatcher. It's the GDY Juno Report. And um, he does a wonderful job with both of those projects. So I really want to thank Nolan. And now for the Ethel Bender Award. As you know, that award is given to a person or persons from the community of people who are cited, who are... Uh, providing assistance to guide dog users. And I can't think of two more deserving candidates to receive this award than Jane Woods and Connie Stevens. We would be in such trouble without our Louisville ladies, and we so love them. Thank you, Jane and Connie. I think Deanna has the plaques right here. 17 years they've been manning our suite and making it work yay here are your plaques Oh, I was just going to go over here um, to tell a little story. Um, when I was a very young guide dog member of the organization 17 years ago, and I was asked to be an ambassador and to show up early and help get events rolling, um, four, young, uh, four women approached me and said, we're search and rescue dog handlers, and we've come to volunteer. Where can we help? 
And so I put them to work right away, even without any <laughs> permission to do so. I um, said, well, we're just about to have our reception, and the food's arrived, but could you help people find tables to sit at and serve them the food as they come up through the food line because we're all dog handlers and we probably don't have the cleanest hands in the world <laughs> to be handling a buffet-style food. And they pitched in and they were wonderful. I don't remember which lady it was, but I remember she looked at the table and said, this is not a meat and cheese platter. And she grabbed it and marched off to find a server to put more food on it. (laughs) So, um, so it was a, uh, that was our introduction to the, um, Louisville ladies because, um, and as he said, I didn't have permission to do it, and I got scolded and sent off to direct people from the elevators. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Here's some mic. Here we go. Here you go. I'm Connie Smith. I'm one half of the Louisville ladies, and um, Louisville or Louisville or Louisville. <laughs> And I just wanted to thank all of you for letting us hang out with you. And also I want to thank, uh, there's a trio um, that we met when we first started in 2000. And uh, it was called the Sink or Swim Training Session. And uh, it was Carla and Vicki and um, Ginger. And so when we went to the Galt House, they gave us a blindfold. They said, find the Coke machine. Navigate the hotel, come back to us, and don't fall in the pool. <laughs> this, this is Jane. You guys have taught us a lot. Now, how long does it take about, what, 18 months to train a guide dog? Yeah. Longer than that? A lot longer than that? Well, whatever. It wasn't 17 years, was it? <laughs> Y'all are still working for us, and we really appreciate everything you've taught us, not just about people who are visually impaired or about guide dogs, but all kinds of things, and we're very, very, very grateful for that. And uh, you've issued some challenges to us as well, and they have been fun. I'll just share one with you. Just one. We have many. Some we can tell, and some we can't. But when, when you guys had your convention in Phoenix, um, we were asked to pick up the cake and take it to the church for a, it was a blessing of the animals, I believe. And Connie and I agreed to do that. We had no vehicle, so we walked to the bakery. It was in Phoenix in July, and it was 115 degrees, and it was an ice cream cake. <laughs> And my friend Connie Smith said she knew a shortcut, which turned out to be a long cut. I'll leave it at that and say thank you. God bless all of you. Appreciate it. I don't know what we would do without our Louisville ladies, and that's the truth. They're really such a highlight of every convention. 
Um, so I'm going to introduce the speaker. I'm going to be very brief so, and let her tell you more about herself than I already know. But we are very fortunate to have her. Her name is Beth Williams. She is a vet and also a physical an o- physical therapist, am I right? Yeah, just a physical therapist. A physical therapist. And she knows how to combine those two skills to make our dogs healthier and happier and more agile. And um, we are very pleased to have her, and she's going to speak to us today. So thank you, Beth, for coming. I'll just use that. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you, Lillian, for finding me on the Internet so I could come. So I have been a physical therapist for humans for 32 years, and I've been working with animals for about the last 19 of those. And so people always ask me, how did you make that switch from human medicine to veterinary medicine? And, or people will ask me, which do you like better? And I'll say, well, you know, the people are pretty fun, and, but they, you know, they don't bite. But the dogs are really fun. And it's been just a great joy to take what I learned about working with humans and applying it to animals. Because in veterinary medicine and in human medicine, unfortunately, a lot of the information that we have is information that comes from animal models in terms of doing experiments and finding out about how tissues heal given certain modalities. And so we actually know more about how your dog's tissue heals than we do about how your tissue heals. We just take that information and assume that it transfers to the human population. So I actually know more about how to heal your dog than I know about how to heal you, despite all those years. So I think it's great that I'm able to take that information and actually take it back to helping the dogs that were some of the instruments to give us that information. So the reason that I got involved in this, of course, was my own dog. I had my once-in-a-lifetime dog. His name was Nitro, and he was a Rottweiler. And he was an amazing dog. And unfortunately, he was diagnosed very young with severe hip dysplasia. So not knowing anything about physical therapy for animals, what I did know was that doing what the veterinarians told me to do was not going to be in his best interest, that putting him in a crate for six weeks, leaving him alone, letting the tissues heal, and then expecting him to go back to full activity was not going to work. I had worked with people long enough to know that there's a return to activity. So I did not follow my veterinarian's instructions. And he had a fabulous recovery. And when I would go back for his rechecks and I would tell him things like, well, this week he's sitting with his ankles six inches apart and he only limps three out of every ten steps and on and on and on. And the veterinarian thought I was this psychotic woman who did nothing but watch my dog. But that's what I do for a living is I watch people move and I count your steps and I see how strong you are and I measure your flexibility. So that's the way my brain works. So I would report this back to the veterinarian the dog had an amazing recovery and went on to live to be 12 which for a Rottweiler is pretty darn good especially when you start out with crummy hips and the veterinarian actually was the person who suggested that I offer these services to other people so he started referring clients to me at which point I had to go and actually do training in this because playing with my own dog is one thing and treating someone else's dog is totally different 
So I heard introductions, and I know there's a lot of you from all over the country. And if you're looking for these kinds of services for your own pets, the state that you live in, it may be very different. Each state has their own licensing laws. So I can tell you that here in Nevada... As a human physical therapist, I hold a separate license from the veterinary board that allows me to work with animals. In other states, they have the same model. In some states, you have to be a veterinarian or a veterinary technician who's done additional training in physical therapy and gone the other direction. So just know what's available in your area. And so in terms of physical therapy for animals, really the goals that I have for my four-legged clients are the same goals that I have for my two-legged clients. So particularly if we've had surgery or a more recent traumatic injury or even a chronic problem, maybe arthritis, pain management is one of the things that I spend a lot of time on. Working on tissue healing, if there has been some more of a new injury, trying to prevent any complications from immobility. So if you take one of these working dogs and suddenly they're not moving around very much, they're going to lose strength, they're going to lose flexibility, they're going to lose their general endurance and conditioning. So getting them ready to return to work. Trying to prevent further injury. If I'm holding up my right front leg and hopping around, where's all that weight going? It's Yeah, it's going everywhere else. And so trying to protect those other limbs and make sure that we don't end up with a secondary injury. Um, I work with a lot of dogs that are overweight. The dogs that I see in here are not overweight because they're on their feet walking around and working with you. So kudos to all of you for keeping your dogs healthy and fit. And I have worked with a lot of companion animals, but also I have worked with some working dogs, some police dogs, Um, some service dogs, some therapy dogs, and um, getting those dogs back to work is a little bit different than the basset hound whose goal is to get on the couch so it can lay there for the afternoon. (laughs) So when we're setting goals, we have to look at that. What was this dog's prior level of activity? What is this dog's job? Is it a hunting dog that needs to get back out in the field? Is it a competitive agility dog that needs to get back on the agility court? Or is it a companion that simply wants to hang out with its person? And so there's a long list of the kinds of diagnoses that can benefit from physical therapy. Some of them may seem... um, more obvious than others, but certainly a dog who's had an amputation because, again, we have all those forces now going through different limbs. And so helping them find their new center of balance and making sure that the remaining limbs are as strong and flexible as possible. Certainly looking at all those itises, the arthritises and bursitises and tendonitises um, that we see in older dogs and particularly in hunting dogs, too any of the traumatic injuries that may result in some sort of a fracture, um, those darned elbow and hip dysplasia problems that we can see. And I see in this audience a lot of Labradors and Golden Retrievers and German Shepherds, and unfortunately I do see a lot of hip problems and spine problems in those particular breeds. Looking at neurological disease, that dogs may have. There are a number of progressive chronic kind of diseases, and then there's also more acute problems. They may have a disc problem. They may have a spinal cord tumor that causes a sudden kind of paralysis. 
Um, and then also, anybody in here ever had a dog that came up with a vestibular problem? They lose their balance, that, that old geriatric vestibular disease. I have a couple clients right now with that. And working on just wound management. So, as I say, the vast majority of my clients are dogs, primarily companion dogs, but some working dogs. I have gotten to work with several cats, which I think is really fun, because if you work with a cat and it does what you want, you look really good. (laughs) And if you work with a cat and it doesn't do what you want, you say, well, it's a cat, come on. So you get all the glory and none of the blame. So I really like cats. I think they're super fun. I have gotten to work with a few horses, primarily my own or my friends. I don't advertise that I work with horses because they are so big and it takes so much time to get to the barn and work with them. But they're really fun, too. I also have had the privilege of working with one baby goat. She was a seven-day-old dwarf Nigerian who was born with one hoof turned backwards, and so the mama goat wouldn't Um, take care of her so she ended up being bottle fed and we made her the cutest little splint out of one of those neoprene finger splints you know when you jam your finger and you put those little splints on so we modified that for her little hoof and put it on her and she was fine and I also have gotten to work with one bunny so far who decided to jump out of his hutch and cause a back injury so he's currently in a cart which is quite interesting to work with a bunny in a cart so you can tell that I really have a varied practice it's a lot of fun so when I'm working with these various creatures the treatment planning is just as if you came to see me if you had injured your knee or injured your elbow or injured your back we're going to look at your diagnosis we're going to look at your history We're going to look at your age and your general physical condition. We're going to look at, again, what your goals are. It's different to get somebody back to running marathons versus somebody who just wants to walk their dog around the block. We're going to look at the occupation. And then we're going to look at some objective information from evaluation. And very similar to what I would do with you looking at range of motion, so measuring flexibility of various joints. Looking at muscles, I will measure around the thigh or around the arm of a leg of a dog to see is there a difference right to left? Have they been favoring this limb so long that now we've lost a lot of muscle? We have some atrophy going on. Looking at their balance. So for you, I would have you stand on one foot, do various things. Can you stand on soft surfaces, not lose your balance? And so with the dogs, same thing. Particularly with the neurological dogs, they may not even be able to sit up. So if I get them propped up in sitting, can they hold themselves there? If I prop them up to standing, can they hold themselves there? Or do they fall over to one side? If they can stand, can they stand on a wobble board that's a little unstable? Or can I pick up one paw and hold them on three legs, and can they keep their balance? So looking at all of that information and putting together that treatment plan for that individual. And someone, I forget who told me this years ago, that prescribing exercise is every bit as individual and detailed as prescribing a medication. So really, exercise is not one size fits all. It really depends on the, the being that you're prescribing that for and what it is that you're hoping to get out of it. 
So similar to a human physical therapy clinic, I have what you would consider a freestanding outpatient clinic for animals here in Reno that the veterinarians refer the dogs to. And I have all of the same modalities that you would find in a human physical therapy clinic. So I use electrical stimulation for pain and for swelling. I also use electrical stimulation for muscle re-education to get a muscle to fire maybe that's not working. Use a lot of heat and cold, laser therapy, therapeutic ultrasound, vibration, magnetic therapy. So all of those forms of energy that physical therapists use in human clinics. And sometimes there are really interesting applications. When I worked in the hospital, we sometimes would get people that after abdominal surgery, it took a while for their digestive system to start working again. And one of the things that we would use as a treatment for that was we would put electrical stimulation on their abdomen. And I had this former client of mine call me because her little dachshund decided to eat a pair of nylons. And so after having had the nylons removed, the dog's digestive system was not functioning yet. So she called me and said, is there anything you can do to make my dog's gut work? And I said, "Mm, I don't know, but here's something I used to do on people, so let's try it. So we brought her in, and we did it, and sure enough, it worked. So you just never know. Also in physical therapy, we're fairly well known for doing a lot of hands-on physical therapy. So if any, who in the room's been to a physical therapist? Oh, I see a lot of hands. All right. Thank you. So you may have had a therapist that did some massage with you, and there's lots and lots of forms of massage, scar tissue work and soft tissue mobilization. We also do a lot of joint mobilization, specific little tiny movements that the joints need to do, need to slide a certain way or glide a certain way for that joint to function the way it's supposed to, working on some passive range of motion and stretching. And that typically is something that I will teach the owners to do at home, too. And as I say, with the prescription of what we consider to be therapeutic exercise, there's a lot of kinds of exercise. So the goal of the exercise might be strengthening. It might be to increase the weight bearing on a particular limb. It might be to work on that balance or coordination. It could be for some flexibility or range of motion, or it could be for increasing general endurance. So people ask me all the time, how do you get dogs to do their exercises? And the answer is, you put the cookie in the right place. So with any luck at all, the dogs that come to me are highly food motivated. And I often get owners who say, well, my dog's not food motivated. And my answer is, well, then you don't have the right food. So I have a cabinet full of various kinds of foods because this dog can't have chicken and that dog's allergic to potatoes and so I have quite the cabinet full of cookies and I know from low to high where to start and we work our way up the ranks until we find something that that dog will work for. I have had people bring in sliced pastrami. I have worked um, dogs with pot stickers. I will take whatever it takes, Viennese sausages, I don't care. Whatever it takes to get them working, I'm going to use it. So... Again, we think about what is it that we want this dog to do. So perhaps we want the dog to stretch its leg backwards. Well, how am I going to get a dog to stretch its leg backwards? 
One way I might be able to do that would be if the dog was lying down on its side and I petted the front of its thigh or scratched the front of its groin, it might just automatically stretch that leg back. It's kind of the opposite of when you scratch their side and they bring that leg up and itch. Sometimes you can find that magic spot that gets them to stretch their leg backwards. Or I might leave the back feet on the ground and put the front feet up on a step. It does the same thing. Now my hip is extended. It's in weight-bearing, but at least it's extended. So we try to figure out how are we going to get the dog to do the movement that we want. Maybe we're looking for a little bit more active bend in an elbow that's had a surgery. So how the heck do you get a dog to bend its elbow? Well, maybe we have it step over some obstacles, and it has to pick its foot up a little bit higher to clear that obstacle. So we might start with two inches and four inches and six inches and work our way up till we're getting the bend in the elbow that we want. Some dogs know how to shake hands. So I might ask the dog to shake hands with me. And then, again, by moving the target higher or further, I can alter what kind of a range of motion that I'm asking for from that dog. So typically, if you were to go to the gym, one of the exercises somebody might ask you to do would be to do some squats or lunges, if you've ever had the pleasure of doing those. Pretty fun. So how do you get a dog to do a squat or a lunge? Well, you do it all the time. You ask them to sit, and then you ask them to stand. Ask them to sit, and ask them to stand. Puppy push-ups, yeah. So you can do the same thing. If you want to make it a little bit harder, maybe we have them doing it facing up an incline. So maybe you have a sloping driveway, and we have them facing the house, and we're doing our sit-to-stands on an incline. Or maybe we create some sort of an obstacle. These dogs are all so good going underneath these tables. If I had a tall dog and I had it walk under a table, it's going to have to crouch. It's going to have to do a little bit of a squat to get underneath that obstacle or through that agility tunnel. So again, it's looking at what is it, what is it that we would like the dog to do and then figuring out a way to do that. I also use a lot of balance equipment, so balance balls and peanut balls and balance discs and things that people can also work on at home. I use a treadmill a lot for many reasons. One is particularly if I have a dog that I'm trying to help walk differently, I can hang on to that limb and help them place that leg differently. It's really hard to do that and run across the floor and hang on to the dog at the same time. Even on my little rolling stool, it's really hard. So it's much easier for me if I can sit in one place and work with particularly those little dachshunds that are learning how to walk again after back surgery. I also like treadmills. I'm sure many of you have walked on a treadmill. You know when you get off the treadmill, your feet are still vibrating? You have that sensation. And I think that's great for the dogs, too. It's a lot of information to their nervous system, all of that vibration. The other thing that I find treadmills helpful for is diagnosing what's going on. Because when I have these fast-moving agility dogs, these border collies and shelties, number one, they have so much hair, I can't see what the heck's going on. And they're too darn fast. So I can get them on a treadmill and look at them from the front, from the side, from the back, from looking down on them from an eagle's perspective. And I've had a couple cases where I was able to pick up what was going on because I could look at them from those different positions while they were moving. And I don't think I could have ever figured that out just on the ground. Do any of your dogs walk on treadmills just out of curiosity? No, I see no hands. Oh, there's a couple. Okay. Thank you. So I often will have people 
learn how to do that at home, again, for various reasons. I have had clients who were elderly in their 80s, and they decided to get a Border Collie puppy. Bad match. You guys know about matching dogs. That is a bad match. And in in this particular case, this dog also turned out to be both human and dog aggressive. So he was a handful. However, he liked me because I had the cookies. So we got along just fine. And I taught him how to walk on a treadmill. And I taught him how to trot on a treadmill so that he could get some exercise and we could work off some of that pent-up energy. And then down the road, the owners were able to get him out and do some walking with him. So working with some behavior problems. Also, sometimes I have the opposite, where I have an owner who's a jogger, a marathon runner, and they decide to get a basset hound or a corgi. Okay, not the best jogging companion. So for those people, they don't want to walk around the block. That is boring. But I can get them to walk their little basset hound on a treadmill. So that can be a fun way to do it. The other nice thing is... I heard the story about it being 115 degrees in Phoenix. When it's that hot, you can't walk outside. So it's a good way that you can do indoor exercise either in the hot, hot weather or in the cold weather, too. So you can be a little bit more consistent about that. Walking in water can be a fabulous exercise for both people and animals. The beauty of walking in water is that the buoyancy of the water takes the weight out of your joints, but you have the resistance of the water when you're moving, particularly if you're trying to move fast. If you've ever tried to jog across a swimming pool, it's like jogging through molasses. It really slows you down. So for the people who have access to a lake, or to a river that they can do some walking. That can be a great exercise. Um, for If you have access to a facility like mine that has an underwater treadmill, that's a really fabulous tool to be able to do some controlled exercise with these dogs. And I can tell you that my treadmill is big enough to fit a Newfoundland, so it's a big one. Swimming is also a great exercise for dogs, and I do have an indoor pool also. And I think that the swimming, especially for all these retrievers in here, would be a super fun thing to do. So with swimming, we, we can use food. Um, it gets a little messy in the pool sometimes, dropping. I was just fishing a hot dog out of the bottom of my pool this morning. But a lot of them will work for toys. But again, it's which toy they want to go after. And I just recently had someone who had a oh, I guess maybe an Aussie mix that came in to swim for the first time, and they said, oh, he's not toy motivated. And something about the way that dog was in the water, I said, yeah, I think he might go get a toy. Does he like things that squeak? So we found just the right pitch of a squeaker, and he was having a great time fetching that thing in the water and bringing it back. So it's all about figuring out what motivates the dog. My personal dog, who um, currently is some sort of an Aussie mix, his very most favorite pool toy happens to be a rubber chicken that looks like Elvis. (laughs) And it makes a really horrendous squeaking noise, um, and he just loves to go get that thing. So he thinks that that's great. I've had dogs that will only fetch pink tennis balls. They will not fetch green tennis balls. So for those of you who say that dogs are colorblind, not true. Five minutes. Okay, five minutes. So I also have gotten to do some work with dogs with some bracing. Um, My own dog is currently wearing a brace for a cruciate ligament because of his age and some other medical conditions. Doing surgery was not a great option for him. So just like an athlete who wears a brace when they exercise, he wears his brace if he's going to be more active. 
I have gotten to work with both with a cat that had some problems with her wrists after a declaw surgery. So we put some little neoprene wraps on a cat. And this actually was a cooperative cat, so that one went really well. Um, I have worked with dogs that needed some temporary bracing um, after an injury or after a surgery. Sometimes they need long-term bracing. There are lots and lots of equipment out there. When I started doing this 18 years ago, I had to make most of my own slings and make most of my own braces, fabricate them out of plastic. But these days, there are great resources out there. If any of you are ever in a position where you need something, one wonderful resource is called handicappedpets.com. And they have a variety of products that they sell and links to other businesses that have a lot of mobility aids and things that special needs dogs might need. So everything from homemade slings to the fancy kinds of slings, there are a variety of carts that are available. Now you know that rabbits have carts. But there are also a variety of carts that can be used for dogs, um, that can help them with their mobility as well. So just a couple exercises, looking at your dogs and knowing the kind of work that they do. And the, and there's a great variety of harnesses, but in general they have a strap around the front and some sort of a harness that goes right behind the neck, maybe across the rib cage. And I know that you, one of your speakers taught you some massage stuff. So any of those massage things that you can do for your dogs at the end of the day when they come out of those harnesses would be a wonderful thing that you could do with them. Again, back to the cookies. We do cookie stretches. So if you have the dog standing, and often the easiest way is if I'm straddling the dog or the dog's in between my legs, and I have that cookie, I can get them to turn their head towards their shoulder bring it back a little further towards their rib cage, bring it back a little bit further towards their hip. A dog should be able to comfortably put their nose on their hip. And if they can't, they have some stiffness in their spine. So use those cookies. Do some lateral stretches when your dogs are done with their work. You can also lure their head up, lure their head down. Dogs that, because we're vertical, the weight of our head, which is about 12 to 15 pounds, is resting on top of our spine. For them, because it's held out forward in front of their body, those muscles have to work all the time. So they have a lot of tension in their necks. So bringing the cookie towards their chin, bringing that cookie up, all of those things can really be helpful for them at the end of the day. So... In conclusion, I hope that you and your dogs are happy and healthy and you never, never need to visit somebody like me. But if, if you do find that need, just know that there are people out there who either have come from the human world like myself and learned more about animals or people in the veterinary world who have learned more about physical therapy and that there are a lot of options out there for your dogs. So thank you for listening, and I will conclude. Thank you, Beth. We really appreciate it. So much. Willow, lie down. Uh, do we have time? Well, we have candidates here already, and they. We can have um, two questions. Can I? Have, yes, ma'am. I think Chris needs to take the first Sorry. one. Oh, so. Chris will bring you the microphone. Hi, since you can't just plop a dog on a treadmill since they don't know how to do it, where would you suggest if people wanted to try that, that they would get uh, training on how to teach their dogs to do it safely um, so they didn't fall off the back or you know hurt themselves? Right. So there are videos online. 
Um, my recommendation is I always start with at least two people. One person is in front of the treadmill with the cookies, the squeaky toy, the whatever it is that gets the dog to drive forward. And the second person is standing on the treadmill, hanging on to the dog, typically with a harness on. Um, or if you have a collar and a leash, I'll take that leash and wrap it around the waist so that I can really help that dog. Because if they start to go backwards, we don't want it to look like a cartoon where they fall off the back of the cartoon. And we want to make sure that they have a really positive association. So I'll do a lot of hop on, hop off and reward the dog just for getting on the treadmill when it's not moving. Then I'll let it move, let them see that it moves. And sometimes at that point, they won't get back on because they say, ah, that thing's going to move. So then again, we go back to our hop on, hop off, starting very, very slowly. So as slow as your treadmill will go, maybe a half a mile an hour. So hopefully that answers your question. But yes, there are videos out there. And do be careful and make sure you have at least two people when you're starting, because you get one chance to make that first impression. That's true. (laughs) One more question? No? Well, All can right. you uh, share your email address with us? So sure. If anyone wants to reach so you? my email, if anybody would like to reach me, it's Beth at, and this is my business name, Canine Wellness Center, and it's the letter K followed by the number nine, caninewellnesscenter.com. So you can go to my website at caninewellnesscenter.com. You can also find me on Facebook. I have two accounts. One is Beth Williams, just as the human, and then there also is the Canine Wellness Center website. You're welcome to visit there. And you can contact me through Facebook also. Thank you so much, Beth. We really appreciate it. Let's give her another hand. Thank you so much. Um, first, before we get to candidates, Lillian has an announcement. Do you want the mic, Will, Lillian? Don't you have a drawing? Oh, wait, wait. We have a drawing. Can we do that after the candidates? No. They'll be gone. Okay. But I'll do the announcement. Hi. Um, this afternoon, there are two sessions that were scheduled uh, with a presenter from the Red Cross um, having to do, uh, I'm not even, first aid for our our dogs. Uh, There were two sessions scheduled. The second session has been canceled. So please um, make sure you attend, um, because a lot of people um, have left or have already been heading home. So, Vicki, what time is the first session? 4.15 in this room. And is it an hour, hour and 15 minutes? Uh, hour and 15 minutes. Okay. So it's, it, I think it's going to be a great presentation. Um, please, if you're interested, attend that session. Don't come here at 7, whatever, 30, because it'll be a lonely experience. Thank you. Okay. Then we have a drawing? Yes. It's right here. Oh, wait, wait. So I think somebody want to buy a ticket. Does anyone here want to buy a ticket for the Golden Retriever? You want to buy a ticket? Do we have the tickets here? You know the candidates have other affiliates to visit. Yeah, we've already lost one. He had to go.
No, the mic it was just, it was shifting all by itself. So what are we doing? So are we going to do the drawing later then, Lillian? Or? Uh, let's go on and do the drawing now. Do you have the tickets to oh. draw them? The, the Louisville ladies, do they have the tickets? Connie or Jane? Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to get somebody. Yeah, we're going to try again. Um, Lillian wants to do the drawing for the Golden Retriever now. Okay. One more announcement. Okay. Sorry. Thank you for reminding me. That's why I shouted room change. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm working on it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Thank you. Hi, guys. This is Carla Campbell. I know a few of you bought tickets to a massage session that's actually going on at the same time as one of the emergency uh, workshops. If you did, they were both scheduled for this room. Um, we've had a room change for the massage workshop. So the massage workshop, this isn't the emergency one, is going to be in Carson where the GDI suite was at 415. And she's so. going to teach you how to massage your dog when you take those harnesses. <laughs> That's right. We'll do a little relaxation work with them. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. Thank you. Okay. Then do we have our drawing? Oh, yes. The Louisville one should just be Yeah. Are you ready? Okay. Draw the winning ticket. What is this one? For the Golden Retriever. The Golden Retriever. Um, what do you call it? Plush? Plush, plush guy with though. in harness. Yeah. Sure. So the lucky winner is Jim Cush. Oh, well. The guy Okay, well, Jim's the lucky winner. Okay, it's ginger. Thank you. It's ginger. Okay. Now um, we will do our candidate forum part, and we do have one speaker left. Unfortunately, we're running late, and um, others had to leave, but um, Mr. Spoon. Where's Mr. Fort? <laughs> have you heard that before, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And this way, okay. you're almost there. You can tell Leslie, it, I held part? your hand, but not very Oh, gotcha. Okay, thank you. <laughs> well, good afternoon, everyone. 
I won't take long to speak. I know you're finishing up your uh, your lunch, and uh, your last speaker was. I got, I got a top opportunity to listen to her for about 15 minutes. She was very informative. So, uh, really, really a great talk. Um, uh, my name is Dan Spoon. Uh, I'm from Orlando, Florida. Uh, I'm running for the office of first vice president. I have been on the ACB board for the last uh, five years, and, and tried to take on kind of really. You know, when you're a board member, you you try to you know serve at the you know at the pleasure of your president and your executive director. So, uh, I've had the opportunity to take on you know several opportunities in that role. Uh, have enjoyed being the chair of the audio description project for the last four years, and I think we've really made some tremendous strides in that area. If you were at the general session at the end of the day today, if you were, were able to suffer through the freezing temperatures. <laughs> Uh, we, we really uh, are, are feeling very proud of what we've accomplished there. There's always more to do, but we've got a, a very strong working committee there. And I think what we found by really being a committee that holds itself accountable, we, we took the time to develop our own mission statement associated with the uh, audio description project. We, uh, we defined our programs and services we really want to f- wanted to focus on. And then we formed uh, 35 objectives for the year. And for each of those objectives, we have a person responsible and a date that we expect that to get done. And we each quarter follow up and see how we're doing against our objectives. We've formed eight different subcommittees uh, that range from everything from awards to media to certification uh, fundraising, all kinds of uh, different activities. Uh, if you ha- got a chance to hear the scholarship winner today, or not scholarship, but essay winner, uh, Abby Marino from San Francisco, she was our first batty um, essay winner for our benefits and audio de- bene- benefits of audio description in education essay contest w- that we started up this year. So we're working really hard, and I think what one thing I've learned from those activities is you need a combination, to make ACB really work right, you need a combination of a, of a staff person, somebody that can dedicate time. In, in the case of Audio Description Project, we have Joel Snyder as our director. But then you need a group of well-minded volunteers who are willing to work hard. And together, if you set goals and you set an accountable structure of what you want to get done, at first, it kind of seems a little daunting. When we wrote down 35 objectives at the beginning of the year, we're like, holy cow, that's a lot. But we've probably already gotten through 23 or 24 of them just by completing the convention here today through, through those activities. And what that's done for our teammates with the Audio Description Project, it gives them a purpose. It gives them energy. When they see those accomplishments get checked off, it really makes them feel good about our progress. It's documented. We can understand where we need to go and where we've been. So I really think that's something we have to continue to strive to work on with inside of the American Council of the Blind. I've also had similar opportunities doing that with the Resource Development Committee. Deanna Quietwater-Noriega is part of our RDC committee and does a great job. Um, And again there, we've tried to define our programs set teams in place with a set of objectives. Our goal this year for the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk is 65,000. We're almost there. We're getting close. And thank you all. The GDUI mushers, give yourselves a big round of applause. Way to go. And I know you all are also getting involved in the monthly monetary support program. And if I can answer any questions there, that would be, you know, I'm, I'm 
uh, thank you for, for, for looking into MMS. It really, we've learned in the Florida Council of the Blind, it's really a wonderful fundraising opportunity. Uh, it's not, some, some fundraisers are just a lot of hard work, right? For you guys who've done them, I mean, they are a lot of effort. MMS, if you can get people to kind of identify a, a set monthly amount, what it allows is that you can kind of painlessly donate to the organization and affiliate that you love and care so much about, and it gives that affiliate a reoccurring source of income each quarter when that check comes from the Minneapolis office. And it's like kind of manna came from heaven, you know, here comes another check from Minneapolis. So I really encourage Penny and all the team and all of you out there, if you can, get involved in MMS. You'll find it's really a couple of lattes from Starbucks for $10 a month. You can be helping uh, guide dog users and American Council of the Blind. So give that some thought. Um, I won't take too much more of your time other than think, to let you know that I really think the two key initiatives that we've got standing in front of American Council of the Blind for the future is one, membership growth and retention. So again, I want to give you, a, you all give yourselves a great round of applause for what you've done to turn your membership around here at GDUI. It's been very well appreciated and noticed. So congratulations to your, your leadership team and all of you who, who've made that happen. And the second thing is we've got to really work for inclusion and growth. And when I say that, I mean we have an opportunity as we get better funding sources into our organization to take that money and turn that into additional staff resources that can provide programs and services that help blind and visually impaired people. And that's what it's all about. To me, ACB is about two things, well, it's about a lot of things, but I got involved, and Leslie, my wife, we got involved in ACB over 20 years ago at the local level because we wanted to find some folks that were going through the same stuff we were going through, losing our vision. We really were looking for a place that for people like ourselves, and we found that in the Council of the Blind. And it's really refreshing and empowering when you can see that others are going through the same struggles you are, and maybe some others are a little further along the path, and they become your role models. And then as you continue to develop and grow inside the Council of the Blind, you realize there's advocacy opportunities out there. And then... When one of those advocacy opportunity actually turns into reality, you get stoked, right? You give that, yeah, we did it. We made it happen. We, we, changed, we changed the lives of blind and visually impaired people. And that's what it's all about. I hope I can serve ACB and make you proud. And if there's anything I can do, please feel free to give me a shout. I'm always open to listen and learn. One thing I've learned is the older I get, the less I know. So. <laughs> So thank, thank you, you Dan. Thank you so much. Uh, we have time for like maybe one question. Does anyone have a question for Dan? I guess everyone loves you. Oh, well, thank you, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Dan. Right. Good luck in the election. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Is there anyone else here? Oh, yeah, John McCann was here, but he had to go. He had he to apologized. leave. He had to go to the uh, amateur radio. He well, I know John really tried to come because he's a member of amateur radio, and he had to run run part of the program. Um, uh, what's his name? Ray Campbell already told us he could not attend. Uh, Kim, I think we all know that Kim is a member of GDY and a former president, 
and I think she just figured that we already knew her pretty well, and she had enough other things to do. Um, and treasurer David um, is David Trot is he here? But David is such a supporter of guide dog users and and of everyone who's blind, and he has lots of capabilities. So here you go, Deanna. I've got this one up here. Okay. Okay, I do know David Trot, and I've known him for. The very first national office I ran for was Board of Publications at the Birmingham Convention. And I didn't know what I was getting into when I decided to run for office because these caucuses all over the convention center often are very close together in time but very far apart in location. And um, so my wonderful German Shepherd Griffin and I would run through the halls. Um, we had this skywalk thing, and we had to go from the hotel, you know, from suites to back over to the convention center. And we would run back and forth, and I would be trying to encourage him to keep moving. And with that particular dog, um, his motivator was song. And so it made me rather ridiculous because I would be running down the skywalk going, ACP is lots of fun, but it keeps me on the run. Pick them up and lay them down. Come on, Griffin, go to town. And, and so um, as I ran back and forth, and I would skid into the next caucus, and David would be there, and he would gently calm me down and get me ready to, to do my speech. He would tell me where the other caucuses were and what was the best route, he was extremely supportive for a very young leader who got in over her head. <laughs> and um, he is a kind, listening ear. He's a thoughtful man, and he's a true Southern gentleman. So um, that's my testimony for David Trott. And I think he'll make an excellent treasurer. So um, I think we've talked about or met everyone. We have David running for treasurer. Ray running for secretary, um, uh, Dan, who was just here running for first vice, uh, Kim Charleston running for president, have I forgotten John any? McCann. And John McCann running for second vice president. And um, as you know, John was very supportive of us several years ago. And, and he's a member. And he is a member of GDY. Yeah. So um, I think what we'll do is uh, just ask you to vote by voice vote. Um, whether or not you want GDY's delegate on the floor to support each of the candidates. Um, and let's start with Treasurer. Um, all in favor of GDY's, um, what do we call it, representative on the convention floor tomorrow. Tomorrow's Thursday, right? Yeah. Um, voting yep. in favor of supporting David Trott for Treasurer, please say aye. Is aye. aye. No. no one is running against any of these candidates. Okay. Um, okay. All those opposed, please say no. Okay. No problem. Ask your question. So GDY is an affiliate of ACB, and we have a presence on the floor. And this year we have 17 votes, which is more than we've had for a long time. Um, and so now we, we have a delegate representing GDY on the floor. And so we are voting to give them um, instructions because it is still possible for someone to throw their nomination out from the floor 
who is who's not on the slate that the nominations committee is proposing. I do not think anyone is planning to do this, um, but it could happen. <laughs> so we simply want our delegate to understand that you know, we are in support of David Trott. And so, since the up and eyes have it for David, okay. we would give 17 votes to David. But in, in, I want you to understand that if some of you were to vote no, say half of you, then we could split that vote and give, um, what, eight, seven point six point five. I don't know. We could split the vote in half if we needed to. So don't feel, if you want to say no, say no. And we will honor that request as well. No, David not. is not a guide dog user, but he's... Kim is a guide dog user. John is a guide dog user. John is he not. Was. He doesn't have a dog, but he did join us. Yes, Kim is. I'm the delegate, and if I can't be there, Vicky will be the delegate. So I think um, we voted to support David. Now I need to ask, um, do we need to take an affiliate vote or not? Is there anyone here from an affiliate who would like to add his or her affiliate votes to that tally? Oh, that'll be an addition? Yeah. Okay, I'm president of Guide Dog Use of New York. We have five votes. Yes. And so are you in... Is, yes. Okay. Is there any other affiliate here who wants to add? Okay, it looks to me like David is going to be supported by GDY. Um, the next candidate um, is for secretary... And that candidate is Ray Campbell. Um, I would say that Ray is sometimes supportive of our issues and sometimes not. Um, but no one is running against him, and he's doing a fine job as secretary. Um, does anyone else want to say anything about Ray before we vote? Okay. Um, all those in favor of GDY supporting Ray Campbell with our 17 votes, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Yeah, I know. Um, and um, New York, what, do you want to add your votes to that? No, I'm confused. We're not part of the 17. You're in addition. Oh, in addition. Okay, yeah. New York, five votes. We'll say yeah. Well, you're, like, oh, you're in addition to the people that were here. So if we were to have a roll call vote here for Ray, your votes will be added to that tally. Yeah, Okay, cool. So we're going to support Ray Campbell. The next uh, office would be for second vice, am I right? Yes. Um, and that would be uh, the John. person? Yeah. That would be John McCann. Uh, John is a member of GDUI. Um, I, it's, um, I, I have nothing else to say about John. He's a nice guy. Um, he was very supportive to, for us. Um, and four he waited, years ago. Yeah, and he waited as long as he could to speak to yeah, us. Yeah, and he really tried to get here. So, All those in favor of supporting John McCann for Office of Second Vice President, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay, New York. Uh, Wanakakis, Linda, and Myra, what do you think? Excuse me? What, what do we yes or no? Do we want to add New York's five votes? Uh, yes. Uh, John, I guess so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. okay, that was a yes. Okay, thank you, Maria. Um, what's next? John, then, uh, then, then down. 
than Dan Spoon. Dan Spoon is running for first vice president of ACB. The former first vice president decided not to run, although he was eligible to do so. That's Jeff Tom. I think Jeff will be running for the board. But um, Dan Spoon just spoke to us. Um, and right now, no one has, is opposing him in the election. So all those in favor of GDY supporting Dan Spoon for the position of first vice president, please say aye. 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 Anyone opposed? New York, do you care? So you're in in favor? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Now the last position that will be up for will be decided tomorrow is that of president. Kim Charleston is running for her third term. This would be her last term as president of GDY. I mean, as president of ACB. Um, She is a member of GDY and a former president of GDY. Um, All those in favor of supporting Kim Charleston's nomination, please say aye. Um, anyone opposed? Cool. Um, New York? You're for it? Maria? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I think that wraps up the business of candidacy for ACB offices. Um, one more thing I want to tell you about is our resolution, which was voted on yesterday and which passed. Yes. And the resolution encourages ACB staff to work with the airlines and other consumer organizations to make flying um, easier for people with guide dogs to uh, require the airlines to train their personnel about our civil rights. Um, And we're also encouraging the Department of Transportation to release their notice, notice of proposed rulemaking. So hopefully... Their proposed regulations will support what we need so that people stop getting kicked off of airlines and stop being harassed and told where they can't sit. Um, So the resolution was adopted unanimously yesterday. And uh, Jeff Bishop, who is our board representative, and Tony Stevens, who is ACB's director of advocacy, and I wrote the resolution. We worked on it together and then we took it to the resolutions committee a couple nights ago and spent about an hour and a half wordsmithing it. And so I'm very pleased to tell you that it passed. And I know that ACB staff will take it seriously because Tony Stevens is himself a guide dog user. And he has been kicked off of planes before. So um, I think it's something that's very close to his heart. Um, and I don't have anything else. Um, Just go ahead, Deanna. We have some door prizes. And... Um, we also want to encourage you, if you've had any trouble on your flights here or your flights home, we need to know about it. Our advocacy committee is collecting information. And a survey will be on. And a survey, yeah. We'll have a survey up by the end of July where you can tell us about, we want both positive and negatives, too, because we want a balanced picture. We don't want to just to whine. We want to also congratulate airlines that have done a good job. So, May door prizes. Thank you. Hi, I'd like to remind people that at 3 o'clock in this room, 
Uh, Julia Marks from Disability Rights Advocate is Advocates is going to make a presentation to uh, share with us information about the recent uh, settlement with Uber and Lyft. And I hope um, people will come to hear her presentation. It should be really informative. So back here, three to four. And then afterwards, the first aid uh, presentation. Um, so see you then. No, hers is in the in the in the GDI suite, Carson, because the first aid gal is here. Yeah. And there's a different presentation in this room. Yeah, the yeah. first aid. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Carson. Yes. That's why we had to move hers. Oh, thank you. Okay. I think unless someone has something to bring up, or if you have any questions for the officers or anything yeah. that you want to talk to us about. Um, Feel free to speak up. The coffee was upon request, and so was the iced tea, because um, speaking to the, when I was here early to set up for the luncheon, they said that people were leaving it on the tables, and so they weren't going to bring it unless you asked. Okay. We should have told you. We're sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next year, we'll try to be cognizant. I don't think so. I don't, I don't hear anybody back there, but they should be coming back to clean up their, the, the tables. So please ask. <laughs> Who is it? Um, if someone wants to make an announcement? Yes. We are in one second. Okay. Here we go. Yes, no. but you're not wet. You won't be on the recording. Hi, my name is Alice Crespo. I'm from New York City. Um, I've written a book called Never Be Discouraged with God, All Things Are Possible uh, about my life growing up and uh, being totally blind living with an alcoholic father and becoming something and starting an organization that helps other uh, blind people. Um, so if you would like a copy of that book, I have it in print and on some drive. It's $15. I'll be here all afternoon, so see me. My name is Alice Crespo. Thank you. Thank you. Tell, tell me if you do not have a brailled playing card. All right, so I'm going to whirl around the room and hand some more out. I'll be back.
Good afternoon. This is David Trott. I, I'm not going to hold you up. I just wanted to apologize. I had down 145 instead of 115. I would appreciate your support, but thank you, and please accept my apology. I would never slight you. <laughs> okay. Oh. Nancy? Okay. You can hand one. All right, you all ready? Yeah. Are you feeling lucky? <laughs> okay, three of clubs. Three of clubs. Ace of clubs. All right, they're over here. And one of them's in a box. How about seven of spades? Seven of spades? What about jack of clubs? All right, we have another winner. Ace of spades. What? All righty. Thank you. Ellen? We have one more. These are nice prizes, too. We've got some glasses etched with um, paw prints. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any difference. What about the five of spades? Anybody have five of spades? What about three of diamonds? No. Six of spades. This is a spade kind of day. Yeah, that's one. Three of spades. Get some hearts in here. <laughs> what about Jack of Hearts? Well, all right. It doesn't make any difference. This is the last one. Nine of Diamonds. This is the last one. Nine of Diamonds. Two of Diamonds. Eight of diamonds. King of diamonds. 
ten of spades. Uh oh, king. What do you do? What? King of diamonds. You have it. All right, we have a winner. Well, we do. Well, what do you have? That was what I called first. Ten of, well, ten of, I'll tell you what. If you come to the GDUI suite, that looks like ten of clubs, but, you know. Well, what, yeah. Oh, she didn't, yeah, she ten didn't of have the space. That's good. So that's the last, that's the last okay. one. Okay. Um, ladies Thank and you. gentlemen, our speaker, Beth, um, is still here in the room, and she's willing to take more questions from you if you'd like. Um, we don't have anything until 3 o'clock, but if you want to talk to Beth and get a little bit more info on um, how to treat. Yes. I want to ask her a question. Okay. Beth, my name is Linda Wiggins. Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? And um, I have a guide dog, and lately she's been having trouble going up and down the stairs. And they x-rayed her hips and everything, and they found nothing. Have you ever heard of that? Like, she falls when she's going up the stairs all of a sudden, and she doesn't want to go down the stairs. And what kind of dog is this? She's a yellow lab. Um, So if it's not the hips, a lot of times if they're reluctant to go upstairs or they're starting to stumble or get a little bit clumsy, you want to look at her low back. Um, they can tend to have some lumbosacral problems there that will start to Im- impair their coordination and also the extension required of the spine to go up those stairs is uncomfortable for her. So have, have your vet check her back, maybe take some x-rays. You bet. Any other questions? Raise your hand if you have a question. All right. Um. Is it possible for a blind person to um, walk with their dog on the treadmill together, or would it be dangerous? Um, That might be a little tricky. I I do have some clients that walk on the treadmill with their dogs, but typically they're very small dogs, like a person and a dachshund. So I'm guessing a dog the size of a guide dog, they pretty much need the length of the treadmill themselves. Any, okay, got a gentleman over here. Well, it's for me. Is there any, any treatment, medication for arthritic knees? Yes, there are. Um, there, there's a whole lot of supplements out there that can be helpful as well as medications. Um, so, And definitely physical therapy, too. There's research out there that shows that Doing a series of physical therapy treatments can be as effective as taking some of the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. So I would really encourage you to talk to your doctor about it, maybe get a referral for therapy, and talk to them about supplements and maybe medication because there are lots of things that you can do. No, it's actually um, even more important that you get that addressed. I have a question on that regard. Katherine Johnson from Colorado. I've had two um, black labs, a male and a female. They both developed arthritis, and my first guide developed spinal cancer. Is it a good idea to start the um, um, 
inflammatory drugs or um, glucosamine early on in their um, working life, like when you just get them, or do you wait until later uh, when they're middle age? Um, you could certainly start these dogs on at relatively young, so maybe three. Even if they're not having problems, it's not going to hurt them. Um, and definitely not necessarily the non-steroidals, but the glucosamine, chondroitin, some of those joint protections, because we know that these dogs are working hard and there is a lot of stress on their joints. And just the nature of the breeds that tend to get used for this tend to have those problems. So I would put them on it prophylactically. Anyone else have a question? And just to follow up on that, be sure you talk to your veterinarian about the brand because just like with human nutraceuticals, they're not regulated by anybody and there's no law that says what's on the label has to be what's in the bottle. So you definitely want to talk to your veterinarian and get a veterinary grade so at least whatever you're buying is actually in the bottle. Yes. Thank you all very much. Enjoy your conference.